Welcome to the Republican Professor. This afternoon, we have with us our honored guest, Savannah Wolfson. Good to have you on, Savannah. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. And can I just start off by saying I really admire what you do. And I really admire that you're willing to stand up to the bullies and be the minority and be a strong voice. Um, a lot of conservatives tend to surround themselves with other conservatives and um, they never hone their arguments at all. Yeah. And I see the opposite from you. And I really appreciate that in your social media posts. Well, I really appreciate that from you. That means a lot to me. You're welcome. <laughs> do we call you Savannah or do you go by something else? Uh, some of my friends call me, or a lot of my friends call me Savvy, um, but I'm on the ballot this year. So um, I'm going by Savannah publicly, um, partially because it um, means abundant life. And I'm in politics because I want people to flourish. Um, oh. Also because it's Savannah on the ballot and I don't want people to get confused. <laughs> like Beto O'Rourke versus Robert yeah, O'Rourke. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he lost some votes because he, they didn't know it was Robert. I'm sure that's why he lost all his votes. It's not because he's a terrible person or anything. <laughs> he got a lot, though, uh, more, much more than I was comfortable with. You know, he's with. Running, isn't he running for, like, governor right now, too, in Texas? Yeah, of course, he'll never yeah. stop. No, he he's got all that energy. What has he got to do? He doesn't have a job. <laughs> he's got. He's rich, and he doesn't. He doesn't. What is he? What else is he going to do? He, that's his personality. He doesn't. He's not interested in wealth. He's interested <laughs> in power. That's okay. Right. Well, anyway, it's not about him. It's about you. And uh, Savannah, which means abundant life. You're on the ballot for which office? It was. Um, I'm running for state. Yep. It's Colorado State House District 26. It's a brand new district. Um, it's swing and it's one of the most targeted districts in the state because it really could go either way. It just depends on who shows up to vote this year. Um, thankfully, Joe Biden's campaigning really hard for me. <laughs> <laughs> when I started it, I think it was two points Democrat leaning and now it's two points Republican leaning. Okay. Um, and I think as the year progresses, that will get even more extreme. Mm. So. Yes, that makes sense. As as the year progresses, it will become more Republican. That sounds great. Progress. I, hope I love so. it. I have, yeah, well, I, um, I'm very picky about words like you are. So I like, yeah. that, you're using, I like that you're using progresses um, uh -huh. in the right context, because I don't think progressivism is progressive at all. I think it's regressive. So mm -hmm. Yeah, the only progressive thing about progressivism is the word, the spelling of it, not the meaning of it, but the spelling of it. Hmm. What do you what do you think about uh, progressivism? You've you've thought about this. You're a state house yeah. candidate in Colorado, my home state. Woohoo! You're yeah. in a you're in kind of a rural area though. I grew up in the suburbs of Littleton, uh, which is in Jefferson County, Jeffco for short. Yeah, because people are so damn lazy in Colorado. We can't say Jefferson County. We're Jeffco. we're always looking for just shortcuts. <laughs> like uh, it's too long. I can't say uh, Jeffco. How about that? Yeah, that's better. So well, side note, though, I actually have a friend who's running for state senate in where you used to live. If you want me to connect you, his name's Tim Walsh. Is he a good guy? He's a great guy. He's a liberty-minded guy, and he wears a belt oh, cool. buckle that has the um, "Don't Tread on Me" snake. Uh huh. 
So you should interview him too. Yeah, but okay. I'm in I'm in Oak Creek, which is like 30 minutes outside of Steamboat Springs. Um, it's a coal mining and agricultural town. And then a lot of people also are remote workers or they um, work on the ski slopes. And my district is Route County. So that's my county. Um, Eagle County, most of it. Um, so that's like Vail, Gypsum. And then we have Moffat County, which is Craig and Dinosaur and all those uh, little towns in there. Wow. And uh, Do you have I'm in Rifle? I don't have rifle. Oh, I know, but I have Rio Blanco County, which is Meeker and Rangeley. So a lot of people that know people in oh, Rifle. You do have Rangeley. Yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. So you have I'm Rangeley. In- oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Rangeley has a community college that is like big mm-hmm. pilot pilot thing. And I think they yeah, have a dental nice. hygienist thing. My aunt and uncle went there. I feel like if the apocalypse ever happens, I'm driving straight to Rangeley. Those are my people because they are, they are really well set up to take care of themselves in the end times. <laughs> I interrupted you by asking you about what district you were running in, in Colorado. How do you say it? Colorado or Colorado? Mm, isn't that always the debate? I say Colorado. I say what that you- too. Did you grow up there? I did not. Um, my parents were missionaries and I'm a third generation military spouse as well. Um, so my family's extremely rootless and, um, that was part of our service. Um, but I wanted to put roots down somewhere for my kids. So I chose South route specifically because it's kind of, it's like a cowboy town where I live and I wanted my kids to have roots and still, um, have community and be rural. And we were living before we moved here. My husband's from Wisconsin and we were living in Milwaukee and uh, we really wanted no part of that anymore. Excuse me while I eat some um, trail mix. (laughs) It's at that part of the day where my blood sugar just, I'm I'm trying to maintain it. Normally I'm doing these uh, in the morning and I've had breakfast and I'm fine, but I'm I'm just grazing and, and drinking coffee. So you're excused. You're um, human. <laughs> well, thank you. I try. I try to be human. Um, so I say Colorado as well, because that's how I always said it. My parents are from Colorado. My grandparents are from Colorado going back. Um, and I think that people outside of Colorado say Colorado if they're from these swanky areas I, I don't know if Milwaukee counts as a swanky area but but like you know people who fly into Aspen yeah uh, we're going to Colorado yeah so um anyway I just was asking you were talking about progressivism mm-hmm. you yeah. thought about it yeah what is regressive about progressivism You know, I, I, I think a lot of no pressure, no pressure now. Well, I think a lot of progressives think that we're moving into the future and that we're evolving as a human race into better and bigger ideas that are, in their opinion, more moral. Um, a lot of their ideas, though, are not new and they have killed many people. And then and also, if you look at their theories, especially surrounding race. Um, They take us 
I would say back um, to a time where people are more segregated. Um, they want to create safe spaces for different people of different races. Um, but if we were really making progress, we would, I don't want to, I'm not one of those uh, conservatives who says that we should be colorblind because I think that God did make people of different races and that we can acknowledge that the same way that we acknowledge like a different flower color um, as being beautiful and different um, from one another. Um, but we don't need to segregate off from each other like progressives or regressives seem to want to do. Just a point of clarity. When you say that God made different races, do you mean at the very beginning, God created dark people over here and then white people over here and said, you know, go have fun? Or do you think that God created the first human and, and man and woman, and then the races kind of developed after that? Um, <clears throat> or what do you mean? I mean, I guess, because <laughs> sometimes, uh, I, sometimes people say God created black people well, kind of separately. Two- yeah, no, I don't think, I don't, I'm not saying that God created black people like separately, um, like okay. in that sense, but I, you know, there is a bit of, um, racism in evolutionary theory. Mm-hmm. And I actually learned that from you. So maybe you would like to talk <laughs> about it <laughs> more than I would, um, because I'd never thought about it until you said something about it once. And I went, oh my gosh, I actually oh, no. gave you a pretty hard question, but, uh-huh. but that, but, but, um, it was kind of rooted in what you said about God created the races. And I think it's good to get that, uh, clear, clear. Um, there were some racist the Democrats mainly in American history that thought that, uh, that called themselves Christians that thought that God had cursed the dark people and, and with the darkness, uh, they, they thought they were rooting it in the Bible, um, tower of Babel, uh, era of Genesis. Um, um, think, think the first chapters of Genesis, like one through 11 toward, uh, after the flood. Um, but the question of origins is kind of a, a broader question. And I guess if we're going to talk about race and think about race, you do have to think about creation versus evolution. And, um, you know, that's a, that's a, big topic um i can tell you this that the civil rights movement the so-called civil rights movement the the famous part of that i uh when i say the so-called civil rights movement i'm i'm talking about like the 50s and 60s in america the 1950s and 60s uh, I say it's so-called because the civil rights movement actually began much, much further before that. Like it was actually like with America, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the, the declaration of Independence. that that's the civil rights movement right there. Totally. Um, and uh, the first civil rights act was in 1866, actually not, not in the 1950s, not in the 1960s, it was 1866 and it was all Republicans after the civil war. And uh, a, a, a nice chunk of that became the 14th Amendment of the, of the Constitution, so, which was overwhelmingly Republican. Democrats overwhelmingly uh, avo- were against it. And um, anyway, but 
I just want to clarify, like when I say like that, I I want to distinguish that God made all the different races. I'm just saying that we should still like. I'm not saying we, mean, we should appreciate the differences in in even melanin because it's actually it's the different skin tones are beautiful. Like, can, can I suggest what you might have meant? And you can tell me if I'm wrong about it. I think you might have meant God. God created every human individual, no matter what they look like. Right. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. Um, okay. But there's different, like, I, I mean, we do have to, for the sake of political um, fast tracking, sometimes we just take shortcuts in our words. Yeah. Well, that's right. That's right. You have Adam and Eve, right? You have, uh, what race were they? Uh, you know, we don't have any pictures. Adam and Eve, let's say they were real. Um and you have the first uh, son that they had, which was Abel, right? Something like that. Cain, Abel. Mm-hmm. The first children of Adam and Eve. Well, they were anyway. We know we know the names of some of them. Yeah, we don't know which ones are actually first because um, they might have had a girl too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, I can tell where you're going with this. I can tell. Where you're going with this. <laughs> Women matter too. What a concept. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm just and, saying. No, no, no. They, they, they don't, uh, they're not listed. Mm-hmm. They're not listed. Yeah. I've always wondered why the, the daughters are not listed. And then of course you can wonder where the, the, the children got their like parent, uh, where their spouse from. But anyway, uh, God created Adam in a different way than God created. And God created Adam differently than he created the children of Adam. That's what I, that's where I was getting at was the the image of God is there in Adam and Eve says male and female God created them male and female Genesis 127 but then there's children and the Bible says that God created the children in the image of God too but it says it a little differently because it's in the context of capital punishment i don't know if you remember that it's like genesis mm-hmm. 9 yeah and it says mark uh, the reason why the the reason why uh you can do capital punishment for murder is because of the image of god that's created so in other words the image of god somehow gets passed down to through the children but it's in a different way than adam was created or the first person is what i'm getting at but God does create individuals through the normal. Uh, this is my opposition to abortion, right? I mean, mm-hmm. through the normal reproductive process, God creates new people. And some of those people are black and some people are white. Or it, uh, if you define those terms totally without reference to the meaning of black and white is what I mean, mm-hmm. meaning, meaning people look differently. They have different abilities, different capabilities, but they're all created in the image of God. Um, so I don't really think of groups of people having rights. Exactly. Yeah. Because the smallest yeah. minority, as Ayn Rand said, is the individual. Oh yeah. That's a great Which, quote. And yeah. But she takes out the creation in the image of God part in all of yeah. her writing. Quite unfortunate. Hey, I got this email. I'll, I, I'm totally in line with what you're saying. 
I posted it on social media and the email says it's from the Los Angeles County, or sorry, the Los Angeles Community College District 12th annual black graduation celebration. I'm getting, I'm getting this email. Mm-hmm. D, dear LACCD community, that's LA Community College District community. It's a city of Los Angeles. It's that time of year again, the Los Angeles Community College District African American Outreach Initiative Program. Wow, a program is proud to announce the 12th annual Black graduation celebration. It's at a church, by the way, in Los Angeles. Isn't that interesting? There's a government program. It's going to be held at a church. The last time I heard racism in a church, I was in South Africa, and it shocked me. Like it totally, completely blew me away that, I mean, the guy across from me actually said something about how black people are different because they're closer to monkeys. And I never like growing up, never heard anybody express anything like that before. Um, And he was saying we should have separatism. And I'm very grieved to hear it from a church in America. Yeah, well, this is actually a government program. This is the Los Angeles County, sorry, not County, keep saying that, I don't know why, Los Angeles Community College District, which was my employer. (laughs) It's a government, it's LA City. And they are having a black graduation. They also have a lavender graduation for- For the lavender um, people? The LGBTQIA plus, I mean, they keep adding letters and and now they're adding plus signs and division signs. Well, I guess the whole thing is really about division, but yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing that the, that this is progressivism. This is Democrats. They're all Democrats. They're doing this. Yeah. In their minds, we're not all one America in their minds. Well, yeah, it's, it's just weird. It's just like what a black graduation, like you're extra happy about. It's just weird. It's segregation is what it is. That's right. And I, the reason I know that is because if they had a white graduation, people would be up in arms. They'd be crazy. It's the same. It's the same. It's the same accomplishment. Graduating from a community college. It's the same accomplishment. Is it less of an accomplishment if you're white? That's the implication. That's what they're saying. Wow. Come over here. Come over here. Well, that's what affirmative action is too. It's like, you, you can't make it. So we have to give you a boost. And then affirmative action too. Um, my husband is half Korean and it has made it less likely for Asian kids to be accepted in schools, um, in those Ivy League schools. Um, so they've gone so far with this divisive rhetoric that they have put some minority kids at a disadvantage, um, but they won't admit that. They'll say that they have an advantage of race and that now that honestly, they, it's strange because they'll say like Asian is akin to white because Asian people have succeeded in America. And then they're still implying that only like white people have been able to succeed then and they just put the Asian people under the same umbrella. It's just so divisive. Well, also, it's just a little odd to say (laughs) that there's this group of people 
that has rights and other groups of people don't have rights. It's just that's just the same as I mean, it's it's Democrats saying this. It's not Republicans. Yeah. It's Democrats. And um, like going back to the black graduation or this the other graduation, the alphabet division sign plus sign people. Um, you know, it's just interesting that. I think what they mean is they mean it to be not divisive in their little minds. They literally say inclusive. And I say little minds because they don't expose themselves to people they disagree with. Mm -hmm. And if you do that, you have a little mind, you, you Mm -hmm. know, you have like a small town mind. If you, if you're just around people who disagree, who agree with you, you have a very small way of looking at things. That's not, I'm not saying everybody in a small town's like that, but you have like a, you have a very uh, limited view and that's how it is on the community college campus when you have like a, a black graduation. Okay. So let, let's say there's a rich black person that graduates. I don't know. It's like Kobe Bryant's version of that or something, somebody that's ultra super rich. And they go through and they work hard and they get their degree and they're really proud of it. The implication is that if you're black, just being black is what makes that just an extraordinary achievement for Mm -hmm. you as an individual. (laughs) The assumption must be that black people just don't have their crap together. And so we need, you know, we need to really especially recognize that you, you got this associate's degree. Amazing. How amazing that is. I think, you know, Asian, if you're Asian, of course you got the degree. I'm going to steal man the argument a little bit though, because they're saying that white people are the oppressors and that it's hard for black people to overcome the amount of oppression that the white people have enforced on them. Um, But it does become like this ridiculous, um, I don't know who said this first, but the soft bigotry of low expectations is a real thing. And then if you look at like, for example, like voter ID laws and you listen, like if you listen really closely around their rhetoric, they're like, well, black people can't find the DMV or black people don't know how to use the internet very basic life skills that we all need to be functioning adults in America. They don't think that black people are capable of, and there's really no excusing. Like you can't say that black people can't find, find out how to use the internet because of white people. There's no excuse for that. Yeah. So their argument doesn't hold water. Well, oftentimes the argument's not even said that that's kind of the, problem i mean that's the problem i deal with a lot is because they don't they don't really try to give you an argument they just, it's an assumption it, yeah there's a lot of assumptions that are around like i mean i had a lot of uh, so-called white students at laccd their accomplishment is somehow not not impressive because of the color of their skin it just it just it, that's that's the assumption you know, you could be homeless and, and a so-called white person and work really hard and get a community college education. And, and uh, the assumption is that, that, that 
you just had that coming to you. you. You, of course you got that you're white. And, and it's like, okay, well, I mean, this is an institution that is entirely run by Democrats. Why is it that that's the case? And they never talk about that. Yeah. They'll never say that. They'll never talk about that. Anyway. Well, so concerns, well, one of the concerns I have too, is that it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, when you tell somebody, no matter what you do, it's difficult for you to succeed in life, no matter how hard you work, especially if they're yeah. young, that really becomes, damaging. Oh my gosh. Yeah, emotionally abusive. Hmm. You know, I, I'm really glad you use that term because it's that that's exactly what it is. It's mm-hmm. emotional abuse. It's socially accepted emotional abuse. It is. And then the same thing to white kids to say that no matter what you do, you are going to be oppressing children of color. That's also emotional abuse because they are. Yeah, then- and you're going to succeed, right? Because you just you just automatically any success you have, of course, it's because you're white. Yeah. Yeah. And then they're carrying shame for something that they can't change about themselves for something that they didn't choose their skin color. You should maybe go back to that point about evolution. I was in the middle of saying that the civil rights movement, the real civil rights movement was never based on evolutionary principles at all not even based on evolutionary rhetoric. It was based on creation principles. Yeah. And creation rhetoric. What I mean by rhetoric is just the words. If you look at what Lincoln said, he doesn't talk about evolution. He talks about creation. The dissent in uh, Dred Scott versus Sanford is a slavery case the two dissents in there were republican judges justices Mm. mclean uh, and he was republican mclean explicitly mentions god as Mm. a reason why he's dissenting in dred scott because he says the slave is created in the image of god yeah there's nothing in there about evolution at all nothing yeah Yeah. but on the other side as soon as the civil war started there was uh, something called the cornerstone speech alexander stevens vice president of the confederacy you got to read that search in that document you can find it on yale library avalon project search on that document science You'll find science search in there. Anything he mentions about the so-called, and this is a quote, the Negroes. He, in that document, he says the cornerstone of the Confederacy is progress and science. They're rejecting the declaration of independence that got that totally wrong because the declaration said that the black people were equal to the white people. This is the this is the Confederacy. This is the Democrat South that founded the Klan after the Civil War. So they they read Darwin. They read Darwin and they thought black people looked like monkeys to me. And you know, it's no there's no monkeys in Europe. 
Why is that? They're all in Africa. They're all in these tropical climates. That's how they thought. They thought they were just being scientific. They're like, if you just look, which is the basis of science, looking, if you just look at what is in Africa, that's what you see. And you, you see in the jungles, you see, and you don't see any jungles in, in Europe. You don't see any jungles where white people are from. And the, the evolutionary assumption is that, that white people are more advanced. Any atrocity in history that I can think of at its root comes from dehumanizing another group of people. And like, I think our best modern example is abortion, but that, that um, the idea that another human is not made in the image of God or that any humans are not made in the image of God always leads to a practical evil. But also could we say the civil war, I mean, maybe I, I'm asking you, I'm not like making this argument. Sure. Since the civil rights era that you're referring to at the end of the civil war um, referenced our founding documents so much, could you say that the civil rights movement actually began in 1776? Absolutely. Yeah. Cause it, I mean, the declaration of independence talks about these ideas very clearly. And then, you know, Frederick Douglass drew upon them and MLK drew upon them very yeah. heavily and blatantly Absolutely. and explicitly. Let, let me give you an example. Um, there's a fifth amendment of the constitution goes back to 18, 17. Let me get my century, right? <laughs> 1789 okay so these bills of rights this bill of rights was introduced and what became the fifth amendment the word person is used and i i always pay close attention to any time the word person is used because the word person is an inherently moral term we treat persons mm -hmm. differently than when we treat animals mm-hmm if we personify animals, uh, that is almost the same as giving them rights. And everybody yeah. will know this. Everybody who's ever watched cartoons, and if you've watched Finding Nemo, you know. Anthropomorphize, that's the term. Anthropomorphize. Sure, yeah, yeah, that's another way to put it. Yeah. Um, yeah, person, get, uh, bestowing personhood on, on an animal or something, like, like Nemo, you know, like if... <laughs> If you were fishing in Colorado, and I don't know if you ever go fishing, and yep. you caught Nemo, <laughs> and Nemo was talking to you, you probably wouldn't eat Nemo. But, I mean, unless you're a psycho. <laughs> but, you know, like you're, Dexter, you're Dexter or something. Jeffrey but, but, you know, there's a difference between person and non-person. And, you know, you sit on the rock. You probably wouldn't sit on a person unless you're psycho or something, but, but yeah, yeah I mean, there, there's a basic difference between person and non-person. The word person is used in the constitution. Yeah. Every time slave is used. And by the way, the word slave never appears in the original mm -hmm. constitution. Slaves are referred to three times, but the word slave is never used of them. The word they used was person with a capital P hmm. and that was a, 
a compromise between anti-slavery people and people who wanted to keep slavery. Everybody agreed that they were persons. So they used the term person to refer to slave. And now in 18, again, let me get my century right. 1789, the fifth amendment has the word person too. And it says no person, I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, no person can be deprived of life, life, liberty, or property without due process of law. Mm-hmm. No person, that includes all persons, no mm-hmm. person can be deprived of liberty without due process of law. Okay. Well, but slavery, by definition, is depriving someone of liberty without due process of law. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. So some people are born into slavery. There's no due process of law for that person. They're, they're born without liberty. They cannot have property. And many were deprived of their lives. They were killed as slaves. They were killed after being kidnapped from Africa. So right there, even in the Fifth Amendment, <laughs> is, is the root uh, of this, th- this principle that mm-hmm. slavery is wrong. It's, it's wrong. Now, that had to be worked out and fought over because it turned out not everybody wanted slavery to go away. So there had to be a political fight. And that's why you mentioned abortion. I thought that was interesting because there's a political fight about that today. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure how that advances your candidacy there for house in Colorado, but what would you say to someone who is a so-called pro-choice who otherwise wanted to vote for you? Hmm. Well, that will be a common scenario. Um, I do take a strong position on abortion. Um, It is not the only thing I'm talking about. Um, so if we agree on 90% of the issues, I'm your political ally. Um, practically speaking, it would be extremely difficult, difficult to go forward. And I, I almost said backwards because I would be undoing laws. <laughs> it would be very difficult to move forward and to give babies human rights in Colorado anyway, because I won't be in the majority. Um, but I would say to those people to please consider the humanity of the child. And I'm running partially to protect children's rights. And um, our culture has a serious issue with putting the whims of adults ahead of the needs of children. And it is not just in abortion. It is adults using children as pawns in their divorce Um, or not recognizing, even just the basic, not recognizing that your child is a separate human being with rights apart from you. And we saw it a lot during COVID policy as well, um, where children were asked to bear all the burdens of society. And that was to save adults. And a lot of adults said to me, well, children are resilient and it's only a few years. A few years in a child's life is huge. 
Um, babies before the pandemic, their IQ points were on average 22 points higher, and that's not something we're going to just get back. Um, there has been a 24% cognitive drop in infants. Um, and a How lot do of they measure that for an infant or a baby. Um, I got that from Robert, Dr. Robert, I want to say his last name is McDonald. Um, but I can check it for you after, um, but there, there's all kinds of tests that they do on babies. Like even as soon as they're born, they start doing tests, um, on what they can do. Um, but there is also the issue that a lot of preschoolers, if they're asked to draw a human face, um, will draw just the eyes. And I used to be a special ed reading coach or it's called a sped para. And a lot of times I would say like, look at my lips to those children. Um, and we can't do that in masks in school. So just in general, I think children are asked to bear a huge burden in our society for adults and returning back to that abortion issue. A lot of times people go right to the extreme stories like a rape. And I fully acknowledge that rape is a violation of human rights. At the same time, that's a very small minority of abortions. The vast majority that are happening in this country are to protect the feelings of the parents who don't want to deal with the consequences of their own choices. Right. Do you think a, a woman has a right to pr protect herself from being raped, even if it means deadly force? A hundred percent. I do. Even if it means a gun? Yes. I but actually. That, that's I gun think, violence, though. That if you're. So you're saying rape, gun the, violence the rape, is okay? The rape is the violence. The self-defense is her right to protect herself from violence. And I think so we have saying to there's immoral violence and then there's there's moral violence and the moral violence is to protect people. I think self-defense is moral mm -hmm. because I was made in God's image and so are you. So the person who is in the wrong there is the person who is attacking your personhood or right. who is attacking me. <clears throat> I have to see it. I have to say, Savannah, I agree with you on that. And I don't understand why the Democratic Party, so many Democrats say they're for women and then they can't define a woman, first of all. Hello. And then secondly, they don't believe women should be able to pr protect themselves without being criminals by the gun laws, the gun control laws. The gun control laws make so many women who want to defend themselves criminals just for wanting to be prepared because of the concealed carry laws and stuff like that. And then, and then too, they, they want to defund police. So I did live in a major city where police were majorly defended. And what, what city it, was that? It was Milwaukee. And um, we were robbed one night and obviously called the police. And if you're in a city like that and um, you're robbed and you're not in immediate bodily danger anymore, um, I mean, it took five hours for the police to show up. They flipped open their notebook, took yeah. a few notes on what happened and then left. And we never heard from them again. And I actually used to be a left-leaning voter. And that was one of the things that shaped who I became um, because I started think thinking through buying a gun. And at first I wanted to buy a BB gun. I didn't, I was not raised with guns. 
And so I wanted to buy a BB gun just to start like feeling comfortable handling one. And um, I started looking into the laws and I couldn't get one (laughs) in Milwaukee. You couldn't Um, get what? I couldn't get a BB gun. I had you to couldn't drive get out. a BB gun in Milwaukee. I had to drive out of the city to get one um, to another, like actually a Republican-led town. Um, and I just started thinking through, like, what these are the people who are supposedly going to empower me in self-defense as a woman. They they don't have any resources for me. They don't offer classes on on self-defense with a firearm. And I think a lot of them too. They think that you can defend yourself reasonably without a firearm. But there, that's just a total lack of acknowledging the reality of what bad guys are willing to do to women and with what tools, because if they have a, there's a, there's a, there's a saying, bring a knife to a gunfight. That means you're disempowered. Right. Hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, the confidence that they would have that you'd be safe without your ability to protect yourself is so far from reality. It is that person yeah. does not belong anywhere near any government power whatsoever. That's right. That's right. That, 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 the level of lack of self-awareness yeah. or even lack of just awareness of anything, not only yourself. Mm-hmm. But I think too, when we talk about guns, one of the things that I bring up a lot um, in my town in Oak Creek, where I live now, um, there was a, during COVID, there was a shooting because the Democrats did not want prisoners to get COVID. When you so say, they let this. When you say a shooting, what do you mean by that? I'll get there. I'll get there. Okay. But um, there's a, a man who was living in our town before he went to jail, and he had a life sentence for extreme violence against a woman. And he was let out during COVID because they did not want him to catch COVID. So they let him out on a PR bond. And it's, a, it's a recurring issue throughout my district. I've talked to lots of law enforcement officers. They say it's so frustrating. The ink isn't even dry on the arrest paperwork before these guys are let out again. And in this case, this man, I think he knew that he was going to be locked up again because he was acting really erratically. He peed in my friend's driveway um, because he wanted to rent the house that she was living in so he was intimidating a younger woman um because he wanted to have her house just kind of weird and and wrong things like that and then um he one day decided to have revenge and he went from one house to the next and shot people and in the first house um he killed people and then the second house he was stopped by a legal gun owner and in this scenario, the Democrats are going after, I mean, the legal gun owner is the person that they're trying to disempower. Nobody else is stopped by the Democrat policy. Hmm. And the man that he killed one person and shot another, but the man that he killed was in his early 20s. His name was Dustin. And his mother is obviously still grieving. I mean, when you say he killed this man, you mean he murdered murdered him? He murdered. That's correct. And then he was, then he was killed. Some people are killed in self-defense. So I usually always say murder. Yeah. That's Um, that's a good distinction. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's. He murdered. I thank you. Um, I I try to be as specific as I can about the crimes. If it's, if it's violence, I want to say, is it assault or is it, 
Is it, is mm -hmm. it robbery? Um, because that distinguishes and, and shooting too. Uh, the word shooting, every shooting range has shooting going on right now. Yeah. A shooting. I don't know what that, all I know is a gun went off. I don't know what, what this whole story is. Mm -hmm. The, the, uh, so yeah, it's, a, it's a murder. Yeah, attempted a murder. murder. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, my students ask me, what should we do about active shooting? I always say, well, it, it depends on what kind of active shooting you're talking about at, at a shooting range. There's active shooting happening. It's shooting and it's active. Oh yeah. no, I don't mean that. Okay. Well, what do you mean? I, I mean, when someone tries to come out here and kill something, okay, well, you mean kill and self defense? No, no, no. I don't mean that. I mean, um, uh, you mean the M word murder, perfectly good word for it. it goes back to the 10 commandments and they mm -hmm. usually say, yeah, yeah, that's what I mean, murder. I said, so your real question is, what do we do to prevent murder? That's really what your question is. Does it matter what, what's used? Is it gun? Is it a knife? Is it bare hands? Is it, is it a trash can? Is it a hammer? What do you, you know, is it a car? <clears throat> and they usually say, yeah, that, that's what we mean. But, but especially with guns. Okay, well, um, the, the way to prevent murder would be to, how, how do you think these guys are normally stopped when it happens? Do we have any record of, of how that happens? What happens? Well, sometimes they kill themselves. Sure, they, they, that's possible. But what else? What are the other options? Well, someone else comes and kills them. And what's the method? With a gun, I guess. But, but is that mm -hmm. called murder? When you, when you stop a murderer with it, what you, you, you have, you're stopping a murderer with a gun. Is that what you're doing is that murder um <laughs> now at some point i have to tell you some people say yes because they're so confused but most people don't most people say those kids no, did no. throw sunday school well, that's not murder <laughs> okay great so having a gun preventing murder is not murder yes okay so how about that i always like that you're very particular about words i'm never I they just hate guns they just hate guns that's what it is they don't like guns and guns scare them guns are what scare them not the guy with the gun the gun itself mm -hmm. so anyway sorry mm -hmm. oh, thank you <laughs> well mer words are very important because if people don't have the a sense of what they're saying and in my in my experience a lot of stuff is just like with the abortion, you know, pro-choice. I mean, okay, well, what are you talking about? What choice are you talking about? I'm pro-choice. Choice for who, too? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so you're talking about whether to wear a mask? Is that the kind of choice you're talking about? What to do with your own body? So wearing a mask, like on an airplane, is that? are you pro-choice about that? No, 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 because you need to protect other people. Oh, so we need to protect other people. Oh, interesting. What's another person? Mm. Goes back to the word person. It's, it's, it's amazing how simple it is when you, when you get down to it. What do you think of people using the word liberals to describe people that are illiberal? Ooh, I like that. Love that. And I love how you just turned that around and started interviewing me. What a boss. Well, I have a lot to awesome. learn from you, I think. I mean, <laughs> you're quite a bit more educated. That's you should sure. be, you should, you should have your own podcast, I think. Um, I do liberal? not. Time. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> <Okay>. someday. <laughs> someday. Well, 
I, <laughs> I don't use the word liberal. I don't either. Kind of is my um, pet peeve. Yeah. I mean, sometimes if, if I know that the person will understand what I mean by it, then I might use it. But generally speaking, I don't like in an educational context. I don't, yeah. I don't use the term conservative either though. Um, I noticed that other people you. will call yeah. me a conservative, but I don't call myself yeah. a conservative. Okay. And, so that, that, but the word con- like conservative is so muddy right, and I had right, like right. a specific use for it. And then I realized most of the time people are hearing something else. So I can see why you don't use it, but you use the word Republican really, really, really proudly. Um, do you have any frustration? I'm, I'm proud of, I'm proud of the history of the Republican yeah. party. I've not, I'm, I'm not embarrassed about it. Do you have any frustrations with the modern Republican party at all? Depends on what you mean by modern. Current, current. Let's use that word. Current. Yeah. How how current are you talking about? Like today's Republican politicians. There's nothing what? that happened today that I'm aware of that would make me embarrassed. <laughs> Here we go about. again. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I um, Sorry, I, I'm not. I, I'm. I don't mean to be a pain. I just. Um. I think what you're saying is, is there any reason not to be a Republican? I think is what you're saying. Oh, no, definitely not. Cause I am. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. And I, I, but I actually, I view part of my candidacy as working to improve the Republican party. And, um, part of my issue that I'm kind of skirting around, and I'll just get right to the point is that I don't know that all Republicans, I know actually that all Republicans are not necessarily looking to conserve the constitution. And they're not, they're more about like electing somebody who has an R next to their name, which I understand, you know, I understand the arguments for that, for unifying behind the most um, constitutional candidate who can win. Um, But I also, I get concerned sometimes with the lack of ability to defend constitutional ideas in my own camp. Mm -hmm. Yeah, me too. Yeah. That's why I do what I do. Right. (laughs) That's why I'm doing this podcast. (laughs) Uh, I'm trying to help people brush up on and improve their thought process and, and their action. I think political, uh, electoral politics is particularly messy and mm-hmm. it's, it's complicated. I mean, take, for example, your candidacy for the house. Um, there's any number of questions I could ask you about that. We've talked about some of them, but probably the most pressing issues that people face in your district probably not being talked about yet on this podcast yet. And I'm not even sure what those issues are actually, to be honest with you, because it's such a messy process, local Mm -hmm. politics, state politics, it's constantly changing. And there might be people, and I'll suspect that this is true. I'll bet you that there's a bunch of people that would be perfectly happy voting for you who are being courted by Democrats um, who are actually working against those people's interests in their future. And so 
identifying those issues and, and clearly articulating what those issues are and then convincing people on a massive scale that that's the case would be the key to getting elected. And it might be that a, a, a significant chunk of those people don't really know what they think about abortion. Maybe it bothers them, but they also, it, what also bothers them is a pregnant woman um, <laughs> caring to term a baby that she can't take care of. Yeah. And they don't, they don't know how to resolve that tension and that conflict. And, um, you know, and that might not be something that you can resolve for them in the course of an election. Meanwhile, there's all sorts of other issues that are happening, tax policy, environmental Mm -hmm. policy on business. Mm -hmm. Um, What are some of the other ones? Firearms policies about being able to protect yourself. Affordable housing is a big one in my district. Affordable housing, okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Basically what the government has plans to do to you and why, (laughs) Uh, or uh, what, what the government has plans to allow your children to do and why yeah that's constantly changing and so it's very difficult to uh, for an average person just holding down a job to try to get get reliable information about that yeah no that's that's especially with today's media being what it is yeah because if you haven't followed things really closely for the last 15 20 years you might think you could get informed by turning on npr i almost spit my water out i'm glad (laughs) npr is basically a government-funded podcast you can get so much great information, great perspective on podcasts these days. I don't know why anybody would listen to NPR. I mean, I don't know why anybody would fund NPR either because. Well, would it be, I mean, how much of it is taxpayer funded? It, how gets, much a, it gets enough where they fight for it. Yeah. They're, they're fighting for it. You guarantee like, you, you threaten to take away funding for NPR. They're fighting for it. Mm-hmm. So it's enough for that. Yeah. I hadn't, um, I listened to NPR a lot when I was in Milwaukee and um, I hadn't listened to it in like, I don't know, five years. And I turned it on a few months ago and they were openly pro-choice. And I wondered if I had. They're Democrats. Yeah. Well, it's I, a I wonder, but I wondered if if I had progressed or if they had gotten more blatant. No, I mean, they're, they're dumb. It's a day. They've they're always all, been Democrats. Yeah. Democrats are very good at hiding that they're Democrats sometimes. See that this is the context <laughs> for the Republicans that you're concerned about that are, you're upset. They're not, they're not towing the line. Well, look no, at, that's what, not what, look I'm at what they have. I'm upset that they can't define what a right is. I'm yeah. upset. Well, look they, at what they're, Look at the context. Look at the schools. Look at the Republicans send their kids to the same schools Democrats do, except for the Democrats. And those schools are designed to pump out little Democrats. And Mm -hmm. so much of of Hollywood is designed that way. So the NPR is certainly designed that way. 
And there's never been more pressure on NPR than there is right now from podcasts because there's so much to choose from. Mm, yeah. And um, do you think that a lot of people listen to NPR in your area? In your district? I honestly do not know. Okay. But I, um, what do they, I where do they get their news? Would you think they read the paper <laughs> or they... So there are newspapers in the district and there is radio in the district and there is NPR. I think what I hear most from people is that they're reading the local paper, but then Mm -hmm. I think most people don't focus on local issues as much. Okay. And, and I think that's a, a nationwide issue is that our sort of like consciousness as a nation is always focused on the federal level. Um, so like Fox news and, um, you know, CNN and whatever people turn on the TV and they talk about the president, but aren't informed about their County commissioners. Right. And, and as, um, as conservative constitutionalists, Republicans, whatever we're called today, (laughs) I believe in local solutions for local issues. And, and I think most people I talk to think that's a really reasonable thing. But then when you want to get them involved in local politics, they have a really inconsistent view. And then because they're like, oh, I just don't want to be involved. I don't want to be bothered with it. But if your principle is local solutions for local problems, then you are the person who's supposed to be bringing those local solutions to the table. And you should be going to your local school board meeting, city council meeting, or county commissioner meeting, whatever you have time for, you should pick at least one of them and start going. Are you, would you say you're pro-business? Yes. What makes you say that? I, Can you give I believe a specific example? Capitalism, I believe that capitalism is the only system that allows humans to be moral. And that all um, government intervention um, takes away the option of being moral because being moral requires your free will. And so I'm pro-business in the sense that I'm pro-capitalism. I'm pro where the markets want to go because I think that businesses actually are serving people's needs and that we should allow them to serve people's needs so that humans can flourish. And then if they're not serving people's needs, guess what? I don't buy their product and nobody else does either. And then they go out of business and that happens naturally. A lot of small businesses went out of business because the government shut them down in the last two years. What's your feeling about what's your feeling about that? (laughs) I think that COVID was a gigantic transfer of the wealth um, in our country from the middle class to the already very wealthy. And that was you're saying that Amazon is a wealthy company. I think so. And, and here, I don't have an issue with Amazon existing. Right. But um, I remember too AOC saying something like, this is the failure of capitalism. I'm like, this is literally socialism. Socialism is government control over private industry. And um, that's what's, what, what's the problem happened. with socialism at its root. Mm-hmm. It's based in envy. Okay. But anyway, um, it, it's, but isn't um, isn't capitalism kind of based on that too? Like, you could like if I let's say I look across the street and I see this, this guy's driving a brand new, uh, he's driving a brand new used 2014 
Toyota pickup truck that I want. And now I'm pro business. So that just motivates me to make my business stronger so I can have one of those too. Okay. So I, I'm very careful how I said that first initial thing about capitalism. Capitalism is not inherently moral. It is the only system that allows us to be moral. Okay. And there's a difference there because you can, you can do evil things under capitalism. Um, and then I, you know, you can have feelings of envy under capitalism and that could be your motivation, but you could also be motivated by other things. And, and here's something really interesting. I, I think, you know, I've heard some Christians say like, well, capitalism is the best system under our broken human condition, but I actually think capitalism is the system of freedom and, and we are created by God to be free um, and to trade with one another. And I actually think we'll have a capitalist type system in once the world is healed. I think a lot of people don't realize that economics is really just about incentives and -hmm. whatever economic system you have, there's going to be cost benefit. There's going to be some trade-off that you have. Mm -hmm. There's going to be incentives in place that, that push people or pull people in different directions, socialism will just give a different set of incentives. And what, what I mean by socialism is just um, the government has a greater and greater control over your daily life, mm-hmm. uh, including all the market, marketplace decisions. Of the means of production, I think is well, that. And, and, but not just the, that's that's very abstract but what i mean by that is um the marketplace decisions that um typically are associated with business and so what i mean would be your choice to hire someone any kind of constraints on that would be the because socialism isn't just it's not black and white it's it's um mm-hmm. it's not all or nothing it's it it's a scale sure. yeah, yeah 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 and we're right. already quite high on that scale yeah because there are so many regulations already in place over the marketplace yeah. like you know uh the minimum wage is a good example yeah. in no case can you uh legally uh contract freely contract for under a minimum wage for a for a wage job that's a constraint on your freedom maybe the best example though is healthcare Uh, the billing definitely that's definitely a huge example the billing system is completely not a free market at all oh yeah it's a a doctor and be like how much will it cost to get this done and get an estimate and then go to the next one and say how much will it cost and then compare the two prices and they literally make up what they're going to bill you depending on whether or not you're insured and whether or not you're insured by the government. <laughs> yeah. How many, um, what, what's being in the house? Like, uh, what kind of job is this that you're going to try to get? Is it a full-time job? Is it part-time? <laughs> yes. Are you um, going to have to relocate to Denver so you can be yeah, at the capital? Okay, so, you're going to have to uh, have the, two residences. What, what's that going to look yeah. like? 
So since I'm more than 50 miles away from the capital, there is a stipend to get an apartment in Denver. And there is a legislative season. It's can you, during can you vote in Denver elections since you can live there? No. So um, I would actually be in my district most of the time. Okay. And then during the legislative season, they, you want to be in, in close to the legislature as much as possible because people will be trying to ram through bills in the middle of the night or, you know, at the last minute and you need to be on site to get there to vote in time. Um, so there, that's why there's a stipend to get an apartment. Um, so it's during does it cover, does the stipend cover the apartment? <laughs> or is it just enough? Is it we'll see. Like half we'll see. I, I, I might be able to answer that better next year. Okay. Um, I am going to be bringing my family with me for those months that we're in session. What are um, those? What are the months you're in session? Um, it starts in January, and then I don't know that there's like a firm end date for next year. Maybe I need to look it up. Um, it's like four or five months, and then. I just call it like mud season here, which is like the best time to be away. And <laughs> well, we're missing some of um, the ski season, but my kids are actually like really excited about it. Um, I homeschool and um, we're gonna, one of my teachers is um, Bob Schaefer. So I, I went to him ahead of time to ask like, is there any way to do this as a homeschool mom? Cause if my kids ever had to enter Denver public schools, I'm out, like I'm not going to announce. Right. And he talked to me a bit about the schedule and um, what we'll do is um, have our kids in a faith-based school for those months that were there. <clears throat> and then um, for the rest of the year, we'll continue to homeschool um, cause it takes about two hours a day. So my kids are like, yeah, We'll go to the zoo and like we'll have access to all that like front range um, stuff that you know museums and whatever else and I'm really excited for them to come in to work with me too to see how um, yeah. an idea of the bill becomes a law. Can I ask so. you some more uh, practical questions? Yes. Um, how far of a drive is it from where you live to Denver? Uh, like three and a half hours if the traffic is great. Okay. So more risk realistically four hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, so half a day at least of driving, uh, half of a work day. Uh, mm-hmm. does the stipend go all year or does it only go during the time? It covers, um, it covers while we're in session, but it's something like I, I looked at it a while ago. It was like two forty or two nineteen a day or something, which would cover longer. Um, but I just haven't. So, so realistically getting an apartment isn't realistic because typically landlords don't go, oh yeah, let's design a lease just for you, just for your stipend. For the four month. Yeah. It's like a month. You might have to do like a month to month or something. I honestly feel, yeah. I mean, I, I think with the housing market changing as rapidly as it is, some of that stuff I've just put off for later, like, cause I won't know what the decision is going to be until I make it. Do you have animals that you care for? I do. <laughs> I have dairy so what goats. About, what about them? Yeah. Um, and I have a couple cats and, you know, um, you chickens. Have dairy, you have dairy goats dairy, and chickens? Dairy goats and cats and chickens, okay. dogs. And my kids have guinea pigs now. I, I wish ducks. that wasn't the case. Uh, no ducks. Um, oh, sorry. I, I thought you said ducks. Dogs. 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 Ah. Yeah. So with our 
total housing crisis being what it is. Um, our current thought on that is that we're going to get a caretaker and let them live at our house for free. You have to pay. Um, you have to pay them. Caretaker. Um, I don't know. I think if I call them a caretaker, I might have to legally, or or we could just. I, well, we'll house see. sitter. House sitter. There you go. Okay. Do you Farm know anybody sitter. that could do that? Yes, but again, next year is a long way away. Okay. So we haven't, and we also, you know, there's a couple of elections that are hinging around whether or not we're going to need it. So it's not like I'm like, okay, we have this definitely planned out yet. Right. So I'm on the ballot in June. And then um, assuming I get through the primary, which is looking pretty good, I'll be on the ballot again in November against gotcha. the Democrat. So. And then you have, a, it's a two-year term? Yes. Okay. And is there a pay for your, for that position as a legislator? Yeah, something like 40,000 a year, something okay. like that. It's really low. Um, and a lot of people have asked me to increase the pay, but I've not, I don't want to run on that at all. And I don't want to commit to that. And I don't even want to do that because, um, I understand the argument because a lot of them will say like, well, we don't get a representative that has seniority because people are either going up or coming down on this pay. You can't sustainably do this long-term. My concern is, well, during COVID, my county commissioners collected their $100,000 a year salaries. And the median income in my county is about 70,000 a year. And they just sat up there on their high horses telling everybody who had any issues during the shutdown that they were being selfish. And I always, I know human nature is always that we want to take a little bit more money and we're always a little bit ungrateful. And we think if we had a little bit more that we'd be fine. Um, I think the more practical solution instead of the pay being higher is for the legislature to commit to lowering the costs for Coloradans because they are making life unaffordable for everybody. So they have no right to raise their own pay right now. Okay. I'm going to give you a, an argument on the other side to think about. I'm going to say that um, the folks in the, these sensitive positions are constantly uh, tempted by corruption. And yeah. the more yeah, no. pay, the less temptation of corruption. That's the first thing I would say. The second thing I would say is that um, the low pay only hurts the average person running for the, these kind of things. Rich That's people right. are rich That's people true. are not worried about this at all. I think the second so it would be true. only it would be only rich people that could do this, and you don't want that. Yeah. So the second argument is much stronger because the the I think the temptation for corruption doesn't go away with higher pay. Well, it is actually, uh, it's probably, I, I think it's more the, than you realize. Um, the reason that we pay judges so well is because that's a huge problem, mm -hmm. huge problem. You don't, but just, just think about this. You have a federal judge that's barely making it like on, I don't know, 120 or something. Maybe they have a decent home or whatever, but, but the, 
you, you don't want a judge to even think about that. So that's why we have judges that are making like 265 or something. It's yeah, it's no, not even get, it's not even it. an issue. It's not even an issue. And I actually do think the pay needs to be higher, but my my yeah. um commitment is that it that would be in the control of the citizens and not me to raise my own pay constantly. Well, I'll, I'll, you don't have to argue against me. I'm just giving you considerations on the other side so that you think about it. It's when you're in the legislature, that's your job to spend money. And part of it is your own salary. Yeah. And that's just part of it. And if people think about that too much, if that becomes too much of an issue, I would say they're probably not thinking about other things that they should be thinking about. Mm. Um, And if you're, I just, I just listed out a bunch of really practical things. And in my opinion, I still don't have a clear understanding of how you're going to do this realistically. Mm, yeah. And yeah. that alone is a reason to raise the pay. Yeah. Because well, if it's going to affect I, someone I, you like know, you, my, then my it's going to affect somebody is, like no, you know, yeah, somebody else. I mean, it does do, limit do you own your own home? Yes. And it does limit somebody that doesn't own their own home. They can't, Um, they can't be my family's finances. Thankfully are set without this position. It does limit people who I'm just, I'm giving you an argument on the other side. Yeah. You don't want Um, people that are set only to be mm -hmm. able to do. And actually some of our campaign finance laws too make it so that ordinary people can't run. Um, and, and they said that they were taking, they were taking big money out of politics, but what they ended up doing was making it so that people like Jared Polis, our governor can write himself a $27 million check to get, are you talking about federal or state law? Our state law, my, my, but the only way that's going to be changed is if people can actually run and, and make it and they're not homeless. Um, cause you got a two year term and you, can you imagine if you were going to lose your home? In two years, would you do it? Hmm. Would you serve for two years if you had a realistic chance of losing your home? I I definitely, I do understand the argument for higher pay. I do, I do get it. I just think right now the priority can't be that because of how unaffordable a state legislature has made life for everyday people. I agree. Um, I totally so agree with you. since they're moving in a direction where they're constantly trampling on people, um, I don't want to, I want to move in the other direction first. Well, here's the thing. Here's a political thing at the Mm -hmm. average greasy spoon diner in the mountains, in the rural areas of Colorado. I, I can predict, I know exactly what those conversations are going to be like. (laughs) You got your coffee, you got your hash browns, you know, you got your, you know, eggs you're eating and you're like, yeah, this Wolfson lady voted to raise her own pay. Yeah, she oh, yeah. And I got a buck knife on here and I got the, I, I got the uh, turquoise hanging around my neck with, with, instead of a tie and I got it. I understand. That's my whole family. I get it. But I'm just saying at the constitutional convention, Benjamin Franklin said, I don't think we should pay the president. And you know what? That didn't fly. And you know, the reason why is because they said then only rich people could be president. Yeah. That's what you're saying, Ben. That's what you're saying. And it turned out we paid George Washington $25,000 a year, which was an enormous sum back then. You know, the stipend is actually, I mean, 200 something a day. 
George Washington it's needed the money lot. too, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you, 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 you want to make it to where it's a balance and, you know, you might come on the, out on the other side on that, but it is a balance of what folks in the greasy spoon diner need to realize is if people are realistically going, I mean, see the same thing, the same people in these greasy spoon diners, they, they're going to be railing against the elites, right? Well, how do you do battle with the elites? How do you do realistically? How does that actually happen? Um, you know, so it only helps people do battle with the elites, in my opinion. Mm, yeah. No, I can definitely see both sides. I just, I think too, it, there's a big difference between like a citizen's initiative too. And okay. Well, you the, can't constantly do that every time you have to raise the pay. It's gotta uh, be a, le- it's a legislature. No, it's, you guys spend the that. money. You guys spend the money. Yeah. Just, just spend the money. Just say, look, I need this so that I can fight for you. Okay. I'm yeah. not rich. Look at me. I'm not rich. So anyway, <laughs> that's my, I, I, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I i understand it's politically totally so yes uh, hard, if you listen to, like, to the practical details of just what the state legislature um of just what that job is it would not be possible for me to do without a supportive spouse who also has an income yeah I, yeah so anyway it that's does all, I, that's all I, I want to say i agree i agree that it needs to be i fixed. would respect the republican that is running and they just come out of the gate and say, we do need to raise the pay. If you see me raise the pay, don't be surprised. Please vote for me anyway, because let me tell it you, you have not, you have not that, thought about the practicalities. Hard. You have not thought about the practicalities. But you, you, that's the other thing is like, you have to consider, you have to get there in order to do anything. And if I ran sure. on that and this, especially this year, people are really suffering. And like a few yep, weeks ago, I was right. talking to a mom who, um, a mom who could not buy birthday cupcakes for her child because she couldn't fill up her car with gas to go to the grocery store. And she did not know what she was going to do. So you have to think too about messaging, um, right. it, to get into office. You have to have good messaging and to reach people. And, and most people I'm going to get like 30 seconds of their attention. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to talk to them about Benjamin Franklin's opinion. <laughs> it's just not going to resonate. <laughs> but in your soul, it should resonate. Is what I, my yeah. my point. Now, no, and in, actually, in it, 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 it's it, a huge concern for me. Yeah, yeah. It, it, like especially with the campaign finance law being what it is, I can only accept four hundred dollar donations, and then. Um, Jeez. Yeah, that's terrible. Uh, and and this is something like an eighty thousand dollar race. So it does make it so that people who can fund their own campaigns yep. run really easily. Right. I agree with you on that. So what are you going to do with the person that can't fill their tank up with gas? What are you going to tell them? You have 30 seconds. Okay. So last summer I was at a town hall with our current representative and he had voted to increase our gas prices by eight cents per gallon. And the Democrats scheduled that for after the election so that you don't know that that's coming until it's you voted for those guys again. And I asked him, why didn't you represent the people of Northwest Colorado? We already have higher gas prices. We have all of our goods trucked in too. So our, our goods will go up, our groceries and everything. And um, I just don't think 
that you thought about like agriculture and the people who are living here, I think you did what your party told you to do. And he said, yeah, I know it has a disproportionate impact on you, but I didn't write the bill. Um, but he had voted for it. And I, and these, and here's the thing, it's actually, it's supposed to go towards like roads and bridges. That's the name. It's like a, a road usage fee. Infrastructure Would you block. vote against it? Cause you're already over, would, th- you're over 30 seconds. I would have voted against it, but I also want to move back in the direction of not having that in place at all, because these, all of what it's being used to fund is mostly pet projects for climate, like, uh, putting right. in electric, electric car chargers. Do you think the average voter in your district cares about the nitty gritty details of the so-called climate crisis? I think a lot of them do. I, half of my district is um, progressive ski towns and the other half is oil, gas and coal and agriculture, which is what makes it the competitive district that it is. Um, why, is I, a, why is a ski town quote unquote progressive? Uh, well, I'm not saying all ski towns are progressive, but I'm saying the ones that I will represent are progressive. So Steamboat and Vail. So they're, they're Democrats? They vote blue. They're actually majority, every, um, the, the district overall and every county has a majority of unaffiliated voters. So they but don't they care have- about what you think about gas. They're really thinking about what you think about abortion. Because yeah, they're, that's they're- probably a big barrier. Yeah. Okay. Um, but there, there's a lot of the climate action, um, climate justice type crowd and then there's a lot of um well for example there's coal mines um here in my district that are set to close and power plants that are set to close and they're major employers and people are really worried about it because our governor and the state have instituted um it's a program called just transition and they're they're saying they're going to completely transition off of our fossil fuels in a certain amount of time so a lot of these things are going to be closing down um, I, as a, as a representative for Northwest Colorado, I do care about conservation and I do care about everything being beautiful and our land being well taken care of. I don't like that we have forest fires. Um, every single summer we're breathing smoke and my animals and my children are breathing smoke. And that's like best case scenario. A lot of my friends have had to be evacuated from their homes for fires. Some people have lost their homes. Um, and at the same time, I will never pledge to work against my constituents. Hmm. As a representative, I'm supposed to be a voice. And I would never say I'm going to work against their work. And coal mining and oil and gas are a huge part of the district, and I would never work against that. What we really need to talk about in regards to climate is that it's actually terrible forest management that has caused a lot of our fires in the district. And a long time ago, when the forest service was created, um, a lot of people thought, well, this is an unnecessary government office. And so the forest service decided to justify their, their existence by saying that they were going to put out all fires within 24 hours. And that was their kind of like campaign for, we should exist. And they suppressed fires for so long and the fuel loads built up on the forest floor. Fires used to be like low heat and restorative and they would move through the forest floor and um, cleanse it. 
but they did not get this, like this sort of natural cleansing happening anymore. And um, the brush and disease built up and pests um, attacked the unhealthy trees. And now we have, if you drive through Colorado now, you in some areas see more dead trees than live ones. So that's sad. So we, yeah. So we, if we really want to care about our climate and our environment, why are we not addressing our unhealthy forests and um, logging out some of those dead trees so that, right. Yeah. Use them for something else. Use them for firewood mm-hmm. or use them for. We can literally make money doing that um, yeah, because yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't cost the taxpayers anything, but part of the issue too, is that it's federal land. Yeah. Right. It's not a lot you can do about it. Mm-hmm. Um, seems like a lot of the mineral and gas stuff would be federal stuff too, right? Wouldn't it? Like which part? Like the the, the land use yeah. issues. Some of it, yeah. So it's it's kind of hard to see what you can really do in the state legislature, right? I mean, what can you really accomplish? Like, what can are, are, do you look at your candidacy mainly as preventing harm or no. okay undoing harm yes um well, so let's say that we'll say that one more time because it sounded un- quickly like doing harm undoing harm undoing harm okay yeah there's a lot of um legislation that has passed that has done harm mm-hmm. and we have like we have a ton of issues like i said with affordability yeah. um and but but i mean what are you going to do about affordability though it's eight cents per gallon i mean is that really going to make a difference i mean hey i'm all for it but it's not going to change somebody's life i i actually really i i do think that's going to make a huge difference once that once we get have another eight cents it's already hurting every cent counts i totally get it but that's not going to fill somebody's tank up how do you what the with the issue of affordability going forward how do you really move the ball down the road in a way that people can say look at what savannah did Okay, there's a few things. There's a few things I want to do. Um, so, by the way, it's not just it's not just eight cents when you fill up your gas tank. It's eight cents when a trucker fills up his gas tank. Yes, and that's huge for yeah, our good. Like I said, I'm on board. You convinced so, me. Yeah. Okay. But um, I just don't think another, you can stop there. Yeah. No, no, for sure not. Um, another thing I really want to address is our childcare issues in the district, um, because it makes it so that working families cannot stay. And by the way, the affordable housing issue compounds with that. And it's sort of this horrible domino effect, which I'll get so to later. Tell us about affordable housing. What do you mean by that? Government well, housing? Childcare child uh, child first. Okay. Um, so, for example, I was um, in a childcare, a licensed in-home childcare facility yesterday. And she's going over all these regulations that they have to follow. Like, So, for example, right now, the Colorado state legislature is trying to pass a law that all in-home childcare facilities have to have a specific water filtration system installed and that's on their own dime. Um, when stuff like that happens, regulation, they're about to, they're trying to pass it into law. Okay. Yeah. So stuff like that increase the cost of childcare. They increase the cost of childcare exponentially all the time with their regulations. And then she was telling me too, um, there is no way to legally do in-home licensed infant care in Colorado with their current laws, because there's a law um, that you cannot have a baby sleep outside of the room that you're in. 
and you can't even use like a video monitor to check on them or check on them, you know, um, like every half an hour or something. And so you have to, within 10 minutes of the baby falling asleep, you have to put that baby into a crib. So you can't wear them in a sling while they're sleeping, or you can't be like, let's say you took the, all the kids out for a walk. Um, and the baby falls asleep. What do you do? You're breaking the law. Um, so they can't take children. That's, that's that current are, law. That's current law. <laughs> wow. You can't have the baby sleep in the stroller. How do they, how do they enforce that? Does a cop stand there with a stopwatch? <laughs> so enforcement is usually somebody coming in and doing an inspection now and then, but I've talked to mm-hmm. providers in this district who say that they simply break the law every day. Okay. Um, so you want to fix that. That's over-regulation of And that's just one of many, 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 many regulations that she brought up. Like for example, pretty intrusive in the, in the uh, privacy. Let me guess it's Democrats that are bringing this stuff in. Is it Democrats? Yeah. In in Colorado, um, the Democrats have a super majority. So uh, abortion was based uh, in Roe versus Wade on the right to privacy. Mm. Isn't that interesting? So that you don't have a right to privacy in your own home of how you deal with your own infant. No. No. Do you really well, ever? Do they really probably, believe in the right to privacy? Somebody, really? um, I don't think so. It's somebody else's infant because it's childcare. But yes, but you, Still you as a property. parent, you as a parent don't. Yes, that's right. Um, you as a parent don't have the right to, to choose um, a day or a, a childcare provider who does baby wearing or walks with a stroller you have to choose somebody who would like keep your kid out in, so this indoors is reg- this is a business regulation that you're gonna scale back correct okay cool i want to and i actually think that, that seems was- unreasonable to me it seems it is very for, unreasonable for innocent conduct to be criminalized is it criminal or is it just um, an administrative penalty you know i didn't ask about the penalty that's a really good question okay so it's a business in other words, it empowers the business to intrude and shut your business down for for innocent gov- conduct. It right. empowers the government to do that. It yes. empowers the government to shut down an, a, a business for engaging in innocent conduct, safe, innocent right. conduct. It criminalizes okay. people who are not doing anything wrong. Correct. Is, is it criminal? Or, but you didn't know if it was criminal. Not, so. Yeah, you're right. I don't know. Okay. Um, but, uh, so, they are breaking the law. They're the key, breaking the, the key law. thing is, is yeah. innocent conduct is penalized. That's yes. the key thing. Okay. Yes. And, yeah. and to, you know, under the founder system for our country laws were supposed to be easy to follow. Um, and you, you all should have like a basic understanding of the same laws and it shouldn't be like these volumes and volumes and volumes of regulations and laws um in order to maintain your innocence like law when you break the law it should be that you're hurting somebody right yeah and there shouldn't be all these crazy uh steps for you to go through to have a business that that shouldn't be the case Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah and and child care is important in that um it enables everybody else to be able to run their business so like the, the right. child care, oh, that's a good yeah, point. The, yeah, the child care that I visited that's a really yesterday, good point. Yeah. Um, all of the kids who were there were um, the children of restaurant workers. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, that's it. I can see why you focus on that. That's a, it's a big deal. Um, of course, parents want their kids to be protected and safe. Right. But I don't think you do that by weeding out um, all sorts of normal people that could run businesses that would be perfectly mm-hmm. safe. Um, right. But they just, they just violate some dumb law that some idiot passed some group of idiots i should say passed okay so that sounds great that would totally work can, I, do, spoon can, I, can I tell you one thing that i do the democrats just, want to take your guns away and make it oh yeah we have um we have safe you know i'm going to use their words there orwellian terms safe storage laws red flag laws magazine capacity limits um universal background checks on private sales we have everything on their wish list except for restricting the owning of like an AR-15, um, which I'm sure they want to do next. Yeah. Oh. Well, that's, yeah. Let me guess they're going to want you to register your gun at some point if you don't, if you I haven't already. I'm saying that. I don't know that. I don't think I've heard it. Um, well, that's next. That's coming next. It's, it's definitely on well, the list. Well, everything that we're doing is following California at this point. Um, but what I, speaking of criminalizing people for things that are not morally wrong, a Mm -hmm. huge issue is that the Boulder and Denver County Democrats Mm -hmm. pushed this last election cycle, um, for the reintroduction, that's their word of wolves to the Western slope. And in Colorado, we don't have the legal right to protect our property from wolves unless they are actively attacking a person. So if the ranchers, how do you deal with them if they're taking your livestock? You don't, there's nothing you can do except for stand there and wave your arms. And they're actually, I was talking to a rancher this morning. His name's Don Gilson. At this point, he's completely famous because He's the rancher who chose not to shoot shovel shut up, which is the three S's that ranchers always quote. Say it one more time. Shoot shovel shut up. But Don Gittleson chose to go about this the legal way. And his, his ranch is basically the sacrificial lamb for this terrible policy. And I think at its heart, this policy shows that the left is anti-human anti-human flourishing and and when you couple that with the idea that they don't like firearms they don't want you to be able to defend yourself um and the wolves on don gittleson's ranch have lost their fear of people because they've had no consequence for how they're behaving um it makes you wonder what's next what's coming down the road how long is it going to be until they go after a child or a human being and it's that's not like um me being extra scare tactic-y. It's, it's a real question. There are wild animals who have lost their fear and they're an apex predator. And so they're attacking livestock on a regular basis. And here's the other thing. They don't even have to attack livestock. They just stress them out and the livestock start to miscarry. And um, there's this plan to reimburse ranchers for lost cattle um but they go by like the hanging weight of like a meat cow but these are mama cows 
who are losing a calf as well. And they're not, they're not intended to be meat animals anyway. Um, so you don't really have that same system of reimbursement for when you lose like five generations of breeding and you lose them on the cow. Right. Okay. So, so these are people so who in are, other words, the reimbursement rate should be way higher and they're not willing to pay that. It should be way wolves. higher. They might be willing to pay that, but who's really paying for that? I am like the taxpayers are right. So your job is to make clear that's exactly what the trade-off is. It should be this huge amount or nothing at all. And you should be able to protect yourself from the wolves. Mm-hmm. Not, not just only yourself, but also your property. Well, and well, here's the thing is like the founding of our country was based on the idea that we can defend our rights. Yeah. And can you property, shoot a rat? Can you shoot property. a rat? If a rat was biting your, um, biting your cow could you shoot the rat yes you can you can would there be a federal case about it whether you could sh- right. if you shot the rat in the face yeah. <laughs> so okay so what's interesting it's interesting why is a rat different than a wolf like if a wolf well, if a okay, rat so was a, killing if a rat was eating your house would you be able to shoot the rat there's a really emotional attachment to wolves and the idea yes, of wolves. That's right. and then there's also um an idea that they are endangered um but the wolves that are here already um traveled down from other states that reintroduced and those states got like a timber wolf from northern canada which was it's like i want to say double the size of our native wolves that are here that were here um so they're saying they're reintroducing um, and number one, we already have wolves. And number two, um, they're not reintroducing the same size wolf that we historically had. And it's so much more dangerous. Okay, so there's a wolf issue. Welcome to rural Colorado. Mm-hmm. Well, here's, um, the, here's the, like, the core of that. Okay, like I said, crim- like people are being criminalized for defending their own property. But here's the other thing. That is democracy in action right there. The majority voted to violate the rights of the right. individual. Right. Why can't a rancher just say the wolf was threatening me? Mm, I why, mean, why, could, why couldn't you just walk up to the carcass? Of course, the damage already happened, right? But mm. And you walk right up to that group of wolves with a rifle because you want self-defense. And then you feel threatened, so you shoot them. Uh, yes, but I also think it it should be just legal to defend your property. And, and he shouldn't have to lie. He shouldn't have to. Our laws are... No, no, I, I don't mean lie. I don't mean that. that I think you're missing... Uh, this is what I mean. I mean, I, maybe I didn't say it right. Okay, so uh, what I mean is you walk up to that feeding frenzy or whatever mm-hmm. and... If they are aggressive in any way, you shoot them. So they come at night, by the way. Um, yeah, that's sure. really difficult. That's practically more difficult. I think actually the best way to manage wolves from what we've seen from other states is actually trapping. And that would be well, hard to yeah. trap a wolf like without trapping your own cattle. Well, so. okay. But so, okay. I see what you're saying. So mm-hmm. realistically, protecting your cattle from wolves would be 
not you sitting on a fence 200 yards away and picking them off. You're saying it would be trapping. And that's what's really regulated. Wolves are okay. So that's regulated, but also shooting at them. And any like life threatening things are, are regulated or against the law. Um, but wolves are so wait, wait, hold on. Any life threatening things are against the law? Any life threatening things to the wolf. Yeah, lethal force. That's what what, using the wolf. Using lethal force against the wolf is against the law. Um so what, but not but, if they're attacking you though, right? Right. But not if they're attacking you specifically. What if you're worried they're about to, and you don't want to have the wolf's uh, jaws on your neck before you then shoot? You, then you can <laughs> shoot it. But then the, there's, there's a bit of a burden of proof there. But um, what we've seen in other states though, is that wolves are so incredibly smart that they are extremely difficult to manage and hunting um, in that way is very ineffective. Like very few tags are actually filled. It really does need to be done through trapping because they learn really quickly the patterns to avoid when you're hunting with like a rifle or something like that. And is, is trapping illegal? It is. (laughs) Yeah. Is that a state thing or is it a federal thing? This is the worst thing ever. It's our Colorado constitution in the, in the nineties, they um, made it illegal to manage their trapping um, through our Colorado constitution. And so we'd have to have a constitutional amendment in, in order the 1990s, to this happened. Mm-hmm. Ninety. I think it was like 92, 93. Hmm. I remember that. I was there. But okay, so, um, all right. So we got wolves. What else? Okay, so we were <laughs> the um, affordable housing issue. Uh-huh. Um, so one of the things that people talk about a lot, and I was actually wondering what your opinion is, um, because yeah. I disagree with certain conservatives on this um, or Republicans or whatever. Because <laughs> I, I hear a lot of Republicans and Democrats say um, short-term rentals. So like an Airbnb are the cause of our housing shortage. I'm not so sure we can prove that that's the main issue. Um, and I haven't seen data to support that that actually is the main issue. I think a big part of our problem is regulations on building. Um, So for example, (laughs) like five-ish years ago, my husband and I wanted to buy land and put a yurt on it and live in a yurt and then like farm off the land. And there was um, right around that time, like an ordinance was passed that we had to have a certain amount of square footage or we'd have to have like five acres or more. So they literally mandated that your house has to be like a certain size because, and honestly, I pictured, (laughs) I pictured them just being like, we don't want those poor people. (laughs) (laughs) Some of their, some of their housing regulations to me appear to be um, favoring the wealthier people who live here. And then they cry about how unaffordable the housing is. Well, and then the so anyway, Democrat, all, the, all I have to say is, oh, we'll put some government-funded uh, poor people housing in, and right, they, they don't call always, it poor people; they call it they call it affordable housing. Affordable that's what they call housing. it. That's what they it's call. It's always it. their solution. And then um, some so what something do you say I've to that? Noticed, something I've noticed is actually they don't even like restrict the affordable housing 
I'm going to, yeah, affordable housing. Well, what, um, do you, what do you say to that though? But, but they don't even restrict it to locals. Like people will actually move here to get into their affordable housing that they've built. So it doesn't solve their housing crisis at all. And the other thing is like, that's still taxpayer funded. Right. So my we're still paying is, for it. My guess is that there's probably developers that are behind some of this, these weird housing regulations because it makes mm -hmm. them more money. It does. It makes, it increases the real estate value. Overall, so, if houses are of a certain like size and caliber. Right, right. So, right. so you, you, that that's going to be something you have to study. There's two. There's two different skill sets here. This is the tough thing about running for office as a legislator. This the two skill sets. You have to have both if you're going to be good. The one is how to get elected. And the other one is how to do the good job when you're elected. And they're not the same skill set. Right. The average idiot voter out there thinks they're the same. They're <laughs> not the same. They're not the same. They're totally different. And, and so here's, here's what makes it even harder. The skill set that is good at getting elected oftentimes is the exact opposite skill set of doing a good job once you're in there. The it's person so that would do a great job when they're in there oftentimes not very good at getting elected. And that's because people are stupid. The they average person is dumb or they're not dumb, but they act like they're dumb because they have a very small attention span. And so anybody, anytime you're dealing with a very small attention span, it's as if you were dumb, even though you're not. And so it's really tough. It's really tough I to get the right of, people okay, in so People look for charisma or somebody that they feel like they could be friends with. Sure. But I'm hopeful. I got to tell you, I am so hopeful. Hilarious. I'm hopeful that this year with the economy being the way that it is, people are starting to learn more about like inflation and what that means. Or, yeah. you know, I, I think too, like if we had a figure right. head of the Republican party, who was like somebody like a Reagan who does that excellent job of messaging at the same time as introducing good policy and, and defends their policy well at this and that he he educated people on morality and and how their morals played out in politics if we had somebody like that um leading and it doesn't even have to be in an elected office um then we could we could make some progress in that area but i i really hope that with the way the country has gone, that people are starting to educate themselves more. Who's your hero for being a Republican? Who's your Republican hero? <sighs> um, Frederick Douglass. Okay. Um, you want to say why? Yeah, um, Frederick Douglass overcame so much in his life and um, started out as a slave and freed himself and taught himself how to read and read the founding documents, read the Declaration of Independence. And he talked about cashing in on what this country was founded on. And, and in our current climate, a lot of people talk about 
the founding of this country as being inherently racist, but actually the people who are the most effective in fighting back against racism have used our founding documents in order to prove their point that legally they should be allowed to be free. Um, So life, liberty, property, the pursuit of happiness, however, um, whichever section you want to take it from, Frederick Douglass was banking on the founding promises. Did he believe in climate change? No. (laughs) What? What about the elephant in the room? Trump, Donald Trump. What are your feelings about Trump? I voted for him both times and I don't regret that. And um, I wish people loved. Why did did you vote for him? Hold on. I wish people loved. Are you a racist? (laughs) No. I wish people loved their fellow American more than they hated Donald Trump. And I understand that Trump was poor at messaging in, in a lot of cases. And I also think there's some per, parts of his personality that appeared vindictive at the same time. He was kind um, of a dick <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> at the same time, I also think people needed to lighten up about his humor. And, and I spent, I've spent a lot of my life in New Hampshire and so like the North, the Northeast um, is sarcastic and dark and I find it hilarious. And there was a lot of times when Donald Trump would be joking and I would realize he was joking and everybody else would take what he said really seriously. And I'd be like, no, he's a New Yorker. That's yeah. just how they are. Um, but they also completely spun things out of context on purpose. And no. some now you are talking about not Donald Trump, but other people, right? Mm-hmm. You're, mm-hmm. you're not talking about Trump anymore. Yeah. What about him? Personally, personally, I like him. Okay. So in other words, if you were labeled in the little 30 second ad, that's going to run against you that she just likes Donald Trump and she wants to take your women's health care away. And she also hates babies. <laughs> I, also, I get called a fascist. Isn't that fun? She um, wants you to have AR. She wants kids to die in, in school shootings. And um, she wants to take your ability away to abort your own kid. Stop Wait, writing. That doesn't make sense. Hold on a sec. Stop it. They're going to use all your material. I hope they do use this material. She wants you to take away your ability to murder your own child. Mm. Please use that, please. Mm. No, but, but, um, well, what if they just ran, ran like a, a 15 second ad and they said, Savannah Wolfson likes your ability to be oppressed by Trump. Do you want just Trump in there? You know, that's what they're going to do. Trump, that's Trump. what they're going to, that's how they're going to treat Republicans from here on yeah, out. Bail. Oh, can I just, can I just It'll say one bail, exactly, maybe. there is one thing I, there was one concern I really do have about Trump and like, this is a real one. And I wish, okay. I wish the Trump crowd would bring it up more often is that okay. he blew spending out of the water, grew the federal government more than Obama. And that mm-hmm. makes it really hard for somebody like me to run on being a fiscal conservative um because people are like well trump said that too (laughs) so okay but i think too like you know those 30 second ads there's never any like nuance 
people don't allow for nuance anymore. And I'm hoping that we can move into a direction where there's more nuance, where like you can like somebody and then disagree with them. Yeah. That will <laughs> never happen in a 30 second ad. Uh, it's just impossible. There's nothing <laughs> about 30 seconds that is nuanced. The way that I think I counter that is just by getting in front of people too, because once they see me, they're like, oh, she's actually not the devil. If you, oh. if people like you, they'll vote for you. Even if you, they don't agree with you on abortion. Yeah. Actually, you I think just have to, you just have to get out there and meet people and talk to them. Yeah. That's what I'm working on. Yeah. <laughs> Look them in the eye, say I'm from here. Okay. Um, how can we move forward here? What are your concerns and do a lot of listening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You'll, you'll win. Yeah. Listening, I think actually has been more key than anything. Um, because you will be mistreated will, by the Democrats, by the way, you right. they won't I'm mistreated. Hey, yeah, I'm yeah. mistreated by the Republicans too. Like it's not <laughs> <laughs> in the newspaper. Is there another person that wants your spot? Yeah. Okay. Is, is that person mistreating you? Uh, let's not go there. Okay. Because I, I, I don't, I don't want to make it difficult for people to vote for that person. Like if he did win the primary. It's a he. Mm -hmm. What's the social security? You don't have to say the name. Just with the social security <laughs> number. What's he look like? Just get a give a really good description of what he looks like. Just kidding. Well, um, we do wish you well. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to mention or talk about? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> How long has this been going? I think we're good. <laughs> Almost two hours. Okay. Wow. Go, I think the, go on. Yeah. I actually, I think the library might be closing soon. I'm just not sure. So that's why I'm saying no. Okay. Well, I mean, we still have a few minutes left if you want. I mean, I don't know uh, whatever you want to. We can always have you back. I mean, there's no pressure. Sure. If, you, if you get on the ballot, we'll have you happy back. And um, I hope the Democrats do for you, Democrat. Wait, can operatives, I, I, I'm, any I'm Democrat actually, I'm on the ballot. Watching? Yeah, I mean, after oh, yeah. can I? Oh, I have one more thing I want to say. Um, hello to my Democrat trackers and everybody. Yeah, who's you, should greet, you should greet yeah. them because that's hello. why I, I, I make these for them. You know that, yeah. right? We Hello to these... my opponent's mother. I'm so because glad you're on. Who? Sorry. <laughs> my, opponent, my opponent's mother who watches everything for her. Okay. So. But the reason that we're doing this is because they don't get educated in college. They get indoctrinated. So this is maybe <laughs> possibly some educational stuff for them. And if they're honest, they'll admit that. And they'll know themselves for sure. Whether they admit <laughs> it to other people, they'll know. Mm -hmm. And I totally make this for Democrats watching. Yeah. That's why I do it. So if you're a Democrat and do you're watching you? this, hold on. If you're a Democrat and you're watching this and you're a Democrat operative, this was made for you. We had you in mind the entire time. <laughs> I just want you to know that you spent two hours watching something that was made for you. And we love you and we want you to succeed, not succeed in your Democrat destructive policies, but truly succeed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What were you going to say? I was wondering if they attack you for what you do. I guess. I mean, Who's I know they? they do 
Democrats? Um, Democrats. But I know that in like the college. I've been teaching for 15 years on Democrat campuses. What do you think? <laughs> well, I know, it, I, but I was going to get more specific because of your podcast, because I knew that like on the college campus, you're under a lot of pressure. Um, but in well, the podcast world, like are ever anonymous people like reaching out to you, calling you a fascist Nazi and all this? Um, I think that it's just na the natural knee-jerk reaction of some people, but typically there's a couple different kinds of Democrats. One is the one that has an attention span and they typically don't do that. And that's typically the Democrat that's watching this because the one that would just have a knee jerk reaction of a fascist or whatever, they don't read books. They don't read, they don't think critically and they don't listen. And because they don't listen, they probably don't even know I exist. Does that make sense? Yep. But we do have Democrats watching. So there are Democrats that are going to be watching this. Mm -hmm. And so I had that in mind the entire time because I've been in college campuses and every minute of my life was talking to Democrats. So I know how to yeah. do it. I have it in mind the entire time, all the time now, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mm -hmm. wish you well. Uh, it's, it's election in June. What, what day is that election? Uh, I think it's June 28th for the primary. Okay. Yeah. June 28th in Colorado house district, which one? 26, 26, Colorado, Savannah Wolfson is who you want to vote for. And we'll look forward to having yeah. you back in, in July. Awesome. Whether or not I uh, move forward, I would like to continue talking to you. <laughs> okay. Sounds great. I Talk love to talking to you. I love uh, your spunk and your commitment well, to you. progress and love that you're bringing uh, a rural voice to the state capital there in Colorado and love everything about it. I love how thoughtful you are, how open you are to dialogue and, and conversation, Thank how you. open you are to learning. And uh, you mentioned that you're a homeschooler. Um, I don't think that's weird or or anything at all. I was a public school person, graduated from Chatfield High School in Jefferson County. But more and more, I have lots of respect for the homeschoolers. We've had a uh, mm -hmm. few different homeschoolers come on, including Dr. Brian Ray. So if you hate homeschoolers, you can't hate on it until you watch Dr. Brian Ray. Uh, that that podcast. Uh, don't you can't say that homeschoolers are weird or anything like that. I mean, actually, you, you're some really weird behind school. There's some weird public school families too. Yes. <laughs> and public school teachers too. Oh my goodness. All right. Yeah. Well, thanks for, thanks for everything. Thank you too, Lucas. Have a good evening. <laughs>